Today's guest is Edward Egras. Edward is seen on Fox Sports Southwest and TVG2. He's also an adjunct professor at SMU and is the owner of a great website, InsideSportsAnalytics.com, which is full of videos on sports analytics of all types. Don't let Edward's dry sense of humor fool you. He's a great guy, and though we have a back and forth on the Heisman odds of some Houston quarterback, and whether that's a value pick or wasted money, among other things, that's part of the fun in talking with Edward. You can joke around, have a good time, but still get to the point. Thanks to Edward for taking the time and sharing his thoughts. We hope to have Edward back on during the season to provide an update on these odds. After we finish with Edward, stay tuned. We'll have a profile of LaVon Kirkland. And here we go. Edward Egras of Fox Sports Southwest and TVG2. On the phone with me today is Edward Egras. Edward is an adjunct professor at SMU, among many other uh, duties, uh, and he's also a sports analytics expert. I'm going to call you expert, Edward, so you've got to be on point today. Yeah, Edward, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Edward joins me, and we're going to focus today on – the odds for the national championship in college football and the Heisman Trophy. And I wanted to get Edward's insight into this because there, I'm not a gambler. and There's things I don't understand, so I thought maybe there's things my audience doesn't understand in what is a value pick or a smart bet or anything in that betting realm. So, Edward, if you want to start off just talking about the national championship, where the odds are, and what you think is a value pick or a smart bet. Sure thing. Uh, so let's begin, because uh, I understand you have uh, some connection with the Clemson. Is that right? Uh, <laughs> One or two. <laughs> One or two. Okay. Right. Wow, that's incredible. No, <laughs> so so among the many bets, uh, so I, I work from sportsbook.fanduel.com in terms of uh, the numbers we're looking at. So if you want to play along. Uh, so there are two big Heisman bets here. One is who's going to be the outright winner, and there are a number of guys, and we can go over that in a bit. But the other one that I find interesting is because there are two favorites in this Heisman race, uh, and they're massive favorites, you can go with either one of those two or you can take the field. So obviously Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa are the two favorites. They're at minus 110, or you can go with the field at minus 110. And if history tells us anything, uh, the field is the way to go. And so what I did was I uh, looked up uh, sportsoddshistory.com has a, has, is a great resource when it comes to finding who, uh, what, what the odds were for different players at the start of the season. So I looked at all the winners uh, since 2009, and there was only one favorite that went on to win the Heisman, and that was Marcus Mariota at, at a plus 425. Uh, and he wasn't first throughout the preseason. There were other guys who came in and had better odds, and then eventually Mariota came back and wound up winning this whole thing. Uh, but you look at all the other guys, and they were not favorites. Kyler Murray last year was the 13th highest at plus 3,000. Baker Mayfield was the third highest. You even have guys who weren't even listed in the preseason, like Cam Newton, uh, who went on to win the Heisman. Uh, Mark Ingram, the year before that, he was not listed. Jameis Winston wasn't listed. And so the way the Heisman works is voters tend to like those players who sort of come out of nowhere, uh, guys we are not expecting. And because Tua and Trevor, we know about them, they may very well be on a collision course for the national championship game. Again, 
at the oh, same time, when it comes to the Heisman, uh, sometimes it's a player that is in a position to make more plays for their team. Sometimes it's uh, like a Johnny Manziel uh, who has that one highlight reel, and that all comes together. So there are all sorts of things where I look at that, that point to this idea that Heisman underdogs, uh, those who come out of nowhere, those are the ones you should be looking at. So that's sort of the process that I use in terms of figuring out where my value comes from. And would you make a bet before the season, or would you wait until the season plays out, at least to some extent, knowing that the farther away you are from the actual selection of the Heisman, the better your odds are going to be on whoever, or likely going to be on whoever? Certainly. At the same time, though, right around now is when you're going to get the most value. And right. so one one player in particular who I like a lot is uh, Derek King, the quarterback out of Houston at 30-1 to 1 odds. Uh, if he has the season I expect he will, then 30-1 to 1 is going to become 16-1 to 1 and 8-1 to 1 and then fall all the way down. So now is the time to really capture something, especially when you look at the schedule Houston has. Uh, Non-Power 5 school, so all the tough games are going to be at the start of the season against Oklahoma, against Washington State. Now, if Houston wins those games, and I think they can be very competitive in them, if they win those games, then all of a sudden we look at Derrick King very differently. And his odds are naturally going to go down, or they're going to be cheaper, rather, uh, just because he's not going to have too many more opportunities against stiff competition to prove himself. Yes, there are other teams in the American that are solid, can certainly uh, buy with Houston for a championship. But in terms of having those Heisman moments in quotation marks, that highlight reel, as it were, that's all going to happen for him at the beginning of the season. So for someone like him, you got to pounce on him right away if you feel like that he could very well uh, win the Heisman. The other thing, too, is there are guys who aren't even listed who I think have a great shot. One in particular, Brock Purdy, the quarterback out of Iowa State. You think about it. Uh, he, he has some of the better numbers coming back uh, of any quarterback uh, in college football. And he plays Oklahoma, big, bad Oklahoma, that's won the last 29 Big 12 championships. If he beats them, that's his Heisman moment. That's his highlight reel. And then he's going to certainly pop into consideration. Okay, two things there. Uh, first of all, you, you mentioned that these moments that these, these quarterbacks can have against a name team like Oklahoma come early in the season, would that tend to go away as the season goes on? Let's say they beat Oklahoma, Iowa State, for example. Let's say they beat Oklahoma, but they lose to, oh, Texas Tech and Kansas State along the way. Doesn't that diminish his chances of winning the Heisman? Because, one, the Heisman moments back in, let's say, September – and between September and November, you're, you have a couple of, quote, ugly losses. Certainly. I think, and this goes, too, with, uh, say, playing for the national championship or anything like that. Um, I have found that if you have losses at the beginning of the season or the end of the season, sort of the tails, uh, you know, very early or very late, it doesn't necessarily affect things as much as you might think. Because earlier in the year, you have enough time to get people to forget about it and move on. But even if it's late in the year, like November, maybe even late November, uh, you know, certainly like a, a Lamar Jackson out of Louisville, uh, you know, he suffered some bad losses, uh, you know, at different times of the year. But what the difference to me is always 
okay, have you done so much to where you are so much better than everybody else that they can forgive those late season losses? Uh, if it's a close race, maybe they cannot. But if you have such a substantial lead in the minds of voters, then certainly they're, they're going to forgive some things. And, and this happens in the Heisman race. Typically, somebody who plays for the BCS or makes the college football playoff, they will eventually win the Heisman or they will come close. Uh, it's not every year. Certainly, Johnny Menzel and Texas A&M didn't make it, but they did uh, get to go to a fantastic bowl. They upset Alabama, Tuscaloosa, all that fun stuff. Uh, Robert Griffin III out of Baylor didn't make the BCS, but uh, you know had a stellar year and had those Heisman moments. And so I look at it and go, you can have a couple of losses. It just matters as to what everybody else is doing. And if they aren't shining, then you still have the opportunity to win that, you know, win what you want to do and then get what you want done. Well, and uh, thanks for bringing up Lamar Jackson because that's a really sore spot with Clemson fans. And <laughs> what Deshaun Watson did to Alabama after the voting was concluded but I think that brings to mind uh, another point is that uh, a lot of folks vote early before those late season losses. So that could affect my second point uh, earlier was going to be, are we past the point now where someone from say a Houston or even a power five team in quotes here, uh, Iowa state can win the, uh, win the Heisman trophy. I mean, when you look at the list of Heisman trophy winners, there, there's in the last I don't know how many years there's no one from uh, a team like that. There's Oklahoma and Alabama and you know yes a Texas A&M in there, but I really I'm struggling to see how Derek King would be a a value playing for Houston. And I'm not a gambler, so you're talking sure. gambling versus. Uh, I hate to say this, but common sense, right? <laughs> right, right. No, 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 I understand that. And the way the way I would respond to that is, well, first off, Lamar Jackson out of Louisville. I don't know if Louisville is necessarily considered an elite program uh, like an Alabama or a Clemson. Uh, Robert Griffin III out of Baylor. Baylor certainly not considered an elite program uh, like the other ones we've mentioned. Um, so I, I think it can be done uh, in terms of non-Power 5. I think – the reason why King makes so much sense as a value bet to me is not only is he at a program that I think does have national recognition, it's not just a non-Power 5, it's it's a Houston program that's been to a New Year's Day Bowl recently and won that game. Uh, so, you know, they've been in the conversation about should they be in the playoff even though they have a non-Power 5 schedule or they're part of a non-Power 5 conference? Because I think they're already – part of that narrative, I think we can give them more credit than, say, somebody from a Kansas State or, or some other program where we're not really talking about them as far as the national championship conversation is concerned. So there's that part. The other part, too, is, uh, you know, when looking for value bets and looking for, for what schools uh, can certainly, you know, create uh, players, uh, again, you don't have to be uh, playing for the national championship. It just depends on what everyone else is doing. And again, I think sometimes, you know, like I think two is a, a great example from last year. He didn't play a lot uh, late in third quarters and in many fourth quarters because Alabama was basically shellacking everybody they played. And I think that hurt his Heisman chances, whereas Kyler Murray had to play 
uh, all of these games. And so he had more opportunities to impress voters. We could very well see a situation where Trevor and Tua, both of them, uh, are being withheld from playing entire games because they're just dominating everybody they're playing, which opens the door for somebody else to come in. And that, and that somebody else has to be at a program like an Oklahoma or something like that where they are playing well and vying for a playoff spot. And even if they don't get it, they are still doing things that create an impressive resume and their team has an impressive resume. Well, along those lines, I, I think you're absolutely correct in that taking the field against Trevor and Tua is, is really a smart move because you're betting infinity almost, um, or at least several dozen players against two. And those like those seem like better odds to me um, because, as I mentioned, I think before we went on the air, is that I, I think if Trevor, if Clemson specifically loses the game, Alabama may get a break because of, hate to say it, but SEC. Uh, but whereas if Trevor loses a game, no matter who it's to, there's going to be, you know, big question marks, and that will really hurt him because he's seen as somebody who should elevate his team, and obviously did last year, to almost un almost mythical, unbeatable status. Right, and, and certainly that that's a possibility. But again, I think you, the way I kind of see it is you have to be a player that has shown that they could not have done what they have done without you. Uh, and with Tua, I think one thing that actually goes against him is, I mean, that seems loaded. It's stacked. You have so much talent all around him. And not that Tua isn't a talented quarterback. I mean, I think he's going to be great not just this year, but for years to come. But you also know how stacked that team is, right. uh, just like with Clemson, you know, with, with Clemson last year. Like, let's, let's pretend that Trevor Lawrence was going to play the entire season. I still don't think he would have been uh, as serious a Heisman candidate as Tua or Kyler Murray because I think a lot of people looked at that Clemson defensive line saying that's the real strength of that, of that club. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Whereas you look at Oklahoma with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, it's obvious that without those quarterbacks, Oklahoma would not have been in the positions uh, where they're in. And so I think when you look at sort of the traditional definition of MVP in other sports, most valuable player, I think that translates to the Heisman race rather significantly. Uh, running backs have won it, and sometimes, you know, if they're accruing three to four touchdowns a game, then you can just look at basic scoring stats and say, all right, well, clearly they wouldn't be in this position without him. Uh, Cam Newton, uh, you know, was another example where he basically did anything and everything. And there were times when either you didn't see him on the field or you saw what Auburn did before him and then had projections for what Auburn would do after him. And it was obvious that, you know, Cam Newton was worth several wins to the Tigers. So it's, it's the idea of MVP that comes into it. And I think also if you are so stacked as a team in general, then it's less likely for you to prove, hey, look, I really am the most important piece in you know, this run towards a championship. Yeah, well, that, that's good news and bad news for Trevor because uh, the defensive line won't be there this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, maybe it'll fall more on him. But that leads me to the next question. Um, no non-Alabama running back has won the Heisman since 2005. Clemson fans, and of course that one got rescinded eventually, but uh, 
Clemson fans would like to think that Travis Etienne has a shot at a Heisman. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Uh, so Travis Etienne, uh, he is listed. He has 30 to 1 odds uh, on the sports book. And I think that's about fair. But at the same time, I am naturally apprehensive going after running backs in general. And part of that is because you, you look at the history of the Heisman, there are certain programs that produce outstanding running backs, and then they're the ones who are, you know, clenching the trophy. Uh, Wisconsin's a great example. Texas is another one. Uh, there are many programs that are sort of known as running back you, as it were. Uh, you know, at, at Auburn, you know, you know, with Bo Jackson was another one. Uh, but there are also other programs that are known more for quarterbacks, like Oklahoma, Ohio State, programs like that. And so I think there is sort of a, a preconceived notion that certain universities are better at grooming certain players than others. Um, I don't know uh, if we are looking at Clemson as a quarterback university yet. Uh, perhaps we should. I mean, I know we certainly look at them as a, a defensive line university and you know, other defensive positions. I think we definitely uh, respect Clemson's grooming as far as that's concerned. But there are other programs that I feel like are more notorious when it comes to producing outstanding running backs. And I think that's going to go against ATN and go against Clemson. Uh, Alabama, though, they don't have that problem. They have Derrick Henry, uh, Mark Ingram, uh, even uh, you know Richardson. He had a shot to win the Heisman. Right. Uh, Alabama is probably in a better position to produce a Heisman-winning running back than Clemson is just because they have a history of doing it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I I would tend to agree with you on the uh, Clemson not being known for its quarterbacks, uh, but that may change with by the time Trevor finishes and the uh, the one behind him may be just as good or better, uh, theoretically at least. So if you have Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, you know, and keep this lineage going, then uh, – Maybe in the next uh, three or four years, Clemson will be up there with the quarterback. And two other guys I want to talk about briefly on the Heisman list that I, that you shared with me. Mm-hmm. You talked about being in the college playoff being a really good, um, not a barometer, but it, it gives you a boost in that Heisman race, or at least if you're in contention for the playoff and the voting starts. What do you think about Jake Fromm at 20 to 1? That is a great question. So I do like Jake Fromm a lot. Um, I don't necessarily like him as a value bet, uh, just because at this point I'm looking for somebody who you know, necessarily has a you know, lower odds, better odds, worse odds, however you want to look at it, but, but something where the number is higher uh, than a 20 to 1. And that's, that's just in terms of my own indicators. Uh, but in terms of who could actually win the Heisman without looking at odds, I think Jake Fromm makes a ton of sense. Um, and that's in large part because he, he may very well have the best quarterback numbers in terms of QBR, passer rating, all the advanced stats. He may very well have the best numbers outside of Tua and Trevor uh, and someone who's coming back. And, of course, Georgia uh, certainly has a great shot to make the playoff. My concern with Georgia, and maybe I'm a little bit more bearish than everybody else is, but Georgia does have a rather difficult schedule. They do have to face Notre Dame, which I think is significant. Uh, they may have to face Alabama again in the SEC championship game. That's also significant. Uh, I believe they also have Texas A&M, if I'm not mistaken. And I like A&M a lot. I, I think that is a great team. I think A&M could very well finish second in the SEC West. 
Um, and so I look, I, I look at the schedule and I go, there are a lot of tough games that Georgia has to face. I would not be surprised if they have two losses in some way, shape, or form. And if that's what happens then, there are going to be too many other better resumes out there that I think are going to hurt Jake Fromm's chances to win the Heisman and hurt Georgia's chances of sneaking into the top four. Texas A&M uh, may very well be the second best team in the West, but their schedule is even tougher because they've got Clemson at Clemson on it. So, well, you know, that, that's a tough road with the Clemson, uh, Georgia, and I believe they also play Alabama, don't they? Yeah, they do. And I actually wanted to ask you about this. This would be interesting to me, uh, just for my own edification. Uh, one of the things I think Dano Sweeney does that I think is absolutely brilliant is he does like to mix and match and try different things earlier in the season in the non-conference schedule so he knows exactly what he has uh, the rest of the way. So he knows right. the depth he has at certain positions and, and what he can uh, – juggle and put together later in the year. And I think that's why he's constantly uh, winning, winning games late and having these blowout victories uh, against great competition. At the same time, you know, we remember the Texas A&M game last year. It was very, very close. I expect another close one again. And I'm wondering how much mixing and matching you can do in an early non-conference game that is against really tough competition that could very well, hurt your playoff chances? It's an interesting question, and Clemson fans, well, let me let me state it this way. Out of out of the program, they have a belief, they being the coaches, that if you deserve to play, you're going to play. In other words, if if uh if the guy behind Travis Etienne deserves to play, he's going to play. Now he may not get fifteen carries or ten or maybe even eight, but he's going to play and he's going to get two or three, four carries a game. Uh, I'll tell you, a great example of this is that Syracuse game last year. They're losing. The season's on the line. They're on their own six-yard line. Of course, they've got Chase Bryce in because Lawrence is hurt. But go back and look at that drive. ETN carried the ball three, two, three times in a row. Adam Choice went in, um, you know, who – second or third string running back, you know, they they went in and out with running backs on the most, what turned out to be the most important drive of the season. It did not stop them from uh, letting everybody play. Um, they pride themselves on how many players play each game, whether it's close or not. Obviously, in a closer game, it's going to be less. You know, you're not going to have – 92 guys participate it, but it may be 75. They're going to play a lot of folks um, early or late or how, how whenever, especially with their redshirt rule with, you know, the four games they can play. Last year, they redshirted James Skalski, Skalski uh, until the last four games of the season. And he played the final four games of the season. He deserved to play, and but they told him, you know, hey, save yourself a year. We're real deep at linebacker. Hang on. You'll be there in the playoffs. And he certainly did. And he played a big role in the playoffs. So they do manage it well, but guys are going to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I wonder if that, you know, affects Heisman chances in this situation because, you know, it's buying in bulk here. The, the more plays you have, the likelier you are to have that breakout performance, that, that extra thing that will be put on the highlight reel. And if you're splitting time with so many different guys, rightly or wrongly, uh, 
then that just naturally decreases the number of opportunities you have. And, you know, that might put ATN in a, in a bad spot in terms of winning the Heisman, but it, it certainly, you know, helps, you know, the team overall, I imagine. Well, and that's a, that's what, that's what Davos when he cares about is the team. Clemson right. fans will, uh, they are in my Twitter feed every game saying, why is ETN, you know, only getting 15 or 16 carries? I tend to look at it like his chances of winning the Heisman as a running back are tiny, as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And it's better for the team that other guys get carries, yes, but it's also better for the team that he's not getting beaten up or, you know, twist a knee in the fourth quarter of a 38-6 to six game. That's right. the way I look at it. Absolutely. So, and at 30-1 to one odds for, for ATN, I go, I, I don't like that either. Uh, yeah. You know, if it were a lot lower, then maybe I'd feel differently because even if it is just 15 carries a game, if he's, you know, breaking free for 50-yard chunks in seven of those, then, you know, you like your chances. But uh, still, though, it, you know, 30-1, to one, I just don't see the opportunities he would have. The other guy I wanted to ask you about was of the same odds as uh, Jake Fromm. And last year, you and I, on a on a different version of this podcast, talked about how Kyler Murray could no way repeat what Baker Mayfield did. <laughs> both, <laughs> both of us, both of us, not you, not me, both of us talked about it. Now, I've heard some talk uh, about Jalen Hurts. He's 20 to 1, and they're expecting – some folks out there are expecting him to put up similar numbers. What's your take on Jalen Hurts, his season upcoming, and his chances at the Heisman? You know, you really shouldn't be archiving these podcasts. <laughs> you know, it'd be a lot better if uh, they just sort of went away so that nobody could ever track me down. Uh, when it comes to Jalen, uh, you know, I, I hate to do this again. I'm not sure he can recreate the poor performances by Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Uh, and I think in lar- that's in large part just by this one philosophy. I think Lincoln Riley is brilliant. I think he's an outstanding offensive mind, and I don't want to take anything away from him. But it's not like Nick Saban and Alabama don't have outstanding resources to groom quarterbacks either. Now, in large part, they're not necessarily getting the five stars who are going to sling it around, uh, just in large part because, you know, they have talent everywhere else. They don't want to think it hurt, you know, all that stuff. But I'm not sure that all of a sudden – you know, Jalen Hurts, who had decent numbers, not phenomenal numbers at Alabama, will all of a sudden flip a switch and become the greatest quarterback since sliced bread. I'm not sure that the numbers really bear that out. I think he can still have a solid season. I think Oklahoma can make the playoff. I just don't like his Heisman chances. I 100% agree. Um, here's my simple, non-analytical way of looking at it. If he was good enough to repeat Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield's numbers, he'd still be at Alabama and he'd be starting over Tua. That's, right. I mean, you know, I mean, how simple is that? <laughs> no, I think that makes perfect sense. And, you know, sometimes it's a 1A, 1B situation, and I think Jalen, you know, can still lead Oklahoma to whatever whatever goals they may have set for themselves. But in terms of the Heisman thing, I think also, too, sometimes voters don't necessarily like going back to the well, going back to the same programs and the same positions over and over again. Sometimes they want to change it up a little bit. And I, I think also, too, Oklahoma can win the Big 12. They could very well return to the playoff. But I don't necessarily know if they have anything that, that's really shiny in terms of really galvanizing attention 
and attracting uh, the national narrative, as it were. Yeah, I think Lincoln Riley is their national narrative. And that whole point was just to say I thought Jalen Hurts should have been somewhere south of Travis Etienne, maybe 40 to 1 or something like that on the list. Let's talk a little bit about the national championship. That's something Clemson fans are interested in, too. Uh, Clemson is plus 170, Bama plus 230. Those are the only two teams under 1,000. Which uh, Georgia's at a thousand and Ohio State's at fifteen hundred, OU at fifteen hundred. What do you think about those numbers in general? How do you feel about those? So if if I'm thinking about uh, trying to get back over here, um, no, I I am a lot more comfortable uh, doing the Alabama Clemson side versus the field side when it comes to the national championship, and that's because of what both schools have proven and accomplished over time. And also, too, I think by that committee, they have the benefit of the doubt if there is one loss or if, heaven forbid, neither team wins their respective conference. Uh, I mean, obviously, Alabama's last national championship, they snuck in at number four and wound up winning the whole thing. And I think Clemson, if that were ever to happen to Clemson, I think they would also get that similar benefit of the doubt because of what Dabo Sweeney has accomplished, what Trevor Lawrence has accomplished already in his young career. And so I think already they have an edge when it comes to getting in the playoff. And then from there, well, then it's basically a 50-50 chance. And I'm going to take the one where the coin keeps coming up heads all the time. Something else, too, that maybe is a little bit disconcerting with this playoff there have not been a variety of teams getting in year to year. It's basically the same usual suspects. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State gets in some years, Oklahoma gets in some years. And it really hasn't been, you know, there really hasn't been anybody coming in after that, you know, with a couple of exceptions here and there, like Washington or Florida State, something like that. But it's largely been the same programs over and over and over again. And is that because of program consistency? Well, maybe so. I think college football has it such where history certainly helps in terms of recruiting, resources, things like that. But I think also the committee likes to go back to benefits of the doubt. Alabama tends to win these things. They've shown time and time again under Nick Saban they can win big games no matter what's going on. And that benefit of the doubt certainly helps national championship chances uh, far more than, say, a team that may be similarly talented, but they don't have the history. Um, to me, Iowa State may very well be one of those programs. I love that that team. Um, but if they, are, if they have one loss, they're going up against other one-loss programs that have a richer tradition, well, the richer traditions are going to win out. And I think we all know that coming in. Well, Edward, uh, the audience you're speaking to is okay with the status quo. Uh, (laughs) They're perfectly fine with uh, Clemson and Alabama playing every year. Yeah, I, you know, I think that, and part of the problem is, at least from my memory, and you please correct me if I'm wrong, but when those other teams have gotten in there, they've fallen on their face. Uh, Notre Notre Dame comes to mind. You know, Notre Dame thinks likes to think that the game last year was closer than it was, but they scored three points. I mean, you know, I mean, if it was 38 to 25 or 24, yeah, okay, but you scored three points, you know, in the national semifinal game. Michigan State, didn't they get shut out? I mean, you know, I, I before Clemson was elite, I had someone tell me, 
I don't care who's there. I want to see the best teams, and I want to see great games. Um, and that's kind of how I feel now that Clemson's elite. You know, um, not saying that Notre Dame didn't belong. I thought that they had plenty of players and athletes, but they did not show up on that day or were just outclassed, one of the two. So um, it's kind of, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. Somebody's got to step up and prove themselves um, before maybe the committee is going to take that chance. Now, looking down that list I mentioned, there's a team on there. I think, tell me if you think this is a value bet. Now, I'm a novice. I don't bet. So just looking at the numbers, though, a Georgia, 10 to 1. Uh, I think they have an excellent chance of making the playoff, and then that puts them in the final four, and they could you know, win the semifinal game And if they don't fake a punt. And, you know, who knows? Who knows? What do you think about Georgia at 10 to 1? I, I wouldn't necessarily like that as far as a value bet goes, just because the odds uh, aren't that much different than, say, Clemson and Alabama, and Georgia has a few things going against it. Uh, you know, again, that benefit of the doubt, you know, the schedule, all that stuff. So I, I'm not a fan as far as a value bet is concerned. Can they make the playoff? Absolutely they can. Uh, can they win the SEC? Yeah, I mean, they did it recently. Uh, you know, and Jake Fromm's a great quarterback, and they've got some fantastic talent. But I also would not be surprised if they finish with two losses. And I think because there's been so much talk about Georgia finally getting over the hump, finally beating Alabama, uh, perhaps wishful thinking by a lot of people, I, I just don't like them as a value bet in general. Interesting. And I'll hit you up for one final thing. I'll let you go. I know you've, I know you've got a million things going on, but one last thing. I noticed way deep into that website you sent me to, FanDuel, Clemson over under 11.5 wins is minus 120. What do you think about that? It sounds about right. I think it, I think it sounds about right. Uh, it, in terms of going over under, uh, you know, I hate to say this, I may go with the under. Uh, I think they go 11 and one, but I think they do make the playoff. I think they do win the ACC. I mean, what is it? Two of the last four years, they've made the playoff the last four years, two of those four years, they suffered a loss and somewhere it's happened sort of randomly, whether it's to Syracuse, Pitt, somebody like that. Uh, you know, I don't see why that can't happen again, uh, because it's college football. I mean, you know, week to week things happen. You get unlucky or you're trying to play backups. You're trying to look ahead to the rest of the, the season. Uh, and I also think Texas A&M could very well challenge Clemson a lot better uh, they did, than they did last season. That was also a very close game. So too many things have to happen for a Clemson or an Alabama to run the table undefeated. Uh, they certainly can do it. They have the talent to do it. They should be favored in every game they play. But at some point, you may have an injury you're not expecting. You may have just everything fall apart. The other team may be incredibly lucky. Too many factors can come into play where you suffer that one blemish. Uh, fortunately for Clemson, they can absorb it and it's okay. But I tend to go with, okay, at some point it's all going to fall apart in one Saturday. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, you mentioned Pittsburgh and Syracuse. Syracuse was a little more explainable in that it was on the road and, and Kelly Bryant was hurt. And uh, Zarek Cooper, the quarterback at that time, just – you know, I mentioned this on one of the, one of my earlier podcasts that he just wasn't ready. It was apparent. Um, and for all the fun we make of Syracuse and the dome being a loud place, it can be. But the Pittsburgh game is the baffling one at home with Deshaun Watson inside the ten. 
They want to put the game away, go up by double digits, and he inexplicably threw an interception that was run back, you know, like 85 yards down to the 10 or so. It was a crazy, crazy game. Syracuse, I get. Pittsburgh, I don't. But, hey, that was 2016, so we can uh, try and forget that one. But, obviously, it's still still in my mind. So, <laughs> well, Everett, I know you are busy. Uh, you got a lot of things going on. I appreciate your time, but I would like to reserve some time for you in midseason so we can maybe revisit these odds and see where we're at midseason. And we could also see how wrong we were about Jalen Hurts. I think that's, well, take the last part out. Everything else, I'm, I'm with you. Anytime you need me, I'm available. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our sponsor, Lion J. Lion J was founded by Jennings Lion and former Tiger JKJ. Lion J is a multifaceted opportunistic real estate development firm that develops projects in the areas of multifamily, lot development for the publicly traded builders, senior housing, retail, and hospitality investments located throughout the South. Visit lionj.com. That's L-Y-O-N-J-A-Y.com with any development needs or sites that you would like to submit for development. Now, back to the show. Lorenzo LeVon Kirkland came to Clemson from Lamar, South Carolina in 1987. Kirkland was a 1991 All-American while at Clemson in addition to earning All-ACC status in 1990 and 1991. Kirkland was instrumental in sacking West Virginia quarterback Major Harris during the 1990 Gator Bowl, creating one of the iconic moments from that game. Kirkland was named the game's MVP as the Mountaineer quarterback was sacked four times and held to only 237 yards of total offense. Clemson won the game 27-7, but the score did not reflect how dominant the Tigers were in this game. Kirkland was a second-round draft choice of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 1992 NFL Draft. He went on to play 11 years in the NFL, including nine with the Steelers, and one each for the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. In 1996, Kirkland was named to Clemson University's All-Centennial Team and was inducted into the University's Hall of Fame in 2001. After retiring from the NFL, he returned to Clemson and earned his sociology degree in 2004 and worked for Clemson coordinating minority recruitment and admissions for the university. Kirkland was inducted into the South Carolina Hall of Fame in 2008 and also educates student-athletes across the country on the college recruiting process as an educational speaker for the National Collegiate Scouting Association. Thank you for Scott Reimer and the Tiger Pregame Show for this information. The Tiger Pregame Show can be found on Facebook, The Tiger Pregame Show, on Twitter, Tiger Pregame, and on Instagram, Tiger Pregame Show.